0: Ninety nine, you could receive the anointing of Smith Wigglesworth from, uh, I believe, his granddaughter. What? Yes, you want it? You can. (laughs) Dude, twenty bucks, man.
1: I know that you could go online and get like your certification to be an apostle. Mm -hmm. Like you could be a certified apostle. But I did not know that you could actually receive nineteen dollars yeah is is that all the the, the anointing of smith wigglesworth yeah, is so worth while while you're you it's know, just get, worth a wiggle of 19 that's <laughs> <laughs> all it's worth that is crazy
0: yeah so while you're at it getting your apostleship license you know you can go ahead and oh my and get that anointing from from uh smith Wigglesworth's uh granddaughter i
1: believe or niece or something oh my goodness that is oh my goodness This is Truth Talks. Thank you all for tuning into the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Thank you all for tuning in today. With me is my friend and uh, fellow podcaster. His name is Kelly Gallagher. How you doing today, sir? Doing well. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I, I almost called you the other Kelly because we have two Kellys <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in our church now. Kelly Ball. Yeah, Kelly. That's that's a, that's my dear friend. Her, her husband, Mike. Uh, my peoples right there, and oh, you, my yeah. peoples too, but it's like, it's like <laughs> we're talking to Beverly, it's like, which Kelly? I was like, Kelly G, <laughs> Kelly G, KG, that's who, that's who I'm doing the podcast with today. So um, we, we are going back into our discussion uh, of Charismania, and uh, this is a topic that uh, I've been wanting to discuss specifically for a while, only because this is the place that I kind of came out of uh, as far as, you know, my upbringing. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about this Last time we kind of left off with Charles Finney And uh, the craziness that came from uh, his life And what he actually kind of like 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 ushered in To mm-hmm. uh, the, the quote-unquote church Or the I would say the Catholic church The, the universal church mm-hmm. um, And uh, we are going to also talk a little bit more About a few other people mm-hmm. One person, namely, that has been That we both just kind of like to start discussing uh was a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. Yeah. And uh he's an interesting character. Extremely. Yeah. Yeah. Um I remember the first time I heard about Smith Wigglesworth, uh someone said, "Hey man, you, you buddy, you heard of Smith Wigglesworth?" I was like, "Uh no, that's a funny last name." Mm-hmm. He was like, "Well, Smith Wigglesworth." Man, he was, he I mean, he could heal anybody. He could heal. He, he just had the, the gift of healing. It's like one, his his wife had died at one point. And this is the story. I'm, I'm regurgitating the story, so I don't know if this is true or not. Um, but he, he I'm regurgitating the story. He said, man, you know, Smith Wigglesworth, he laid hands. His wife had died. And he went into the room. He laid hands on her. And he said that she woke up and she looked at him in the eye and said, Smith, what are you doing? Right. And he's yeah. like, I'm, I'm bringing you back to life. I don't want you to go. And she says, no, Smith, you have to let me go. Like, this is God's timing for me to die. You mm-hmm. have to let me go. And when I heard that story, I was like, man, that's that's crazy. That's pretty deep. <laughs> but I just want to know who else had seen this. Like, is anybody right. else that would be around to say, yeah, this is what actually happened? Uh, and, and in most of these cases, mm-hmm. there's not anybody else around that does this. No. You had another um, – <laughs> you had another story that you were you were telling about smith wigglesworth um yeah yeah so um to
0: start uh smith wigglesworth was a first wave charismatic Mm -hmm. so he was uh like the fundamental pentecostal if that's even a thing yeah um but he was out there man he was really big on uh faith healings Mm -hmm. Um, and he, he had some pretty crazy views on what God would tell him to do when healing somebody, which I guarantee you, it was not God talking to him to Mm -hmm. tell him these things. Um, he was often very violent with his healings. Hmm. He would say that God was telling him to tell this woman to kneel down and he's going to kick her right in the head. And he would do those things. Wow. And one of the most outrageous stories I heard and um, I don't know if this is true because he told this story, yeah, as well as Can't many rely. many people around him, yeah. And, you know, it, that's the like it, it. It's not a very good witness testimony when you have all these wicked men, mm-hmm. false teachers who are saying, "Yeah, this happened." Um, but there was a uh, young family that had a two-month-old baby, and uh, their baby was, you this know, is, this is not starting off good. No, no, it's scary. Um, the baby was pretty much like in, in intensive care in the hospital and the parents abducted the baby from the hospital, um, pretty much kidnapped the baby and brought the baby to Smith Wigglesworth during one of his meetings. Um, and Smith Wigglesworth took the baby up on the stage and asked the parents, can I do what God tells me to do with the baby? Oh no! And, you know, being, you know, that the child's on the deathbed, you know, they were like, yes. Do whatever God tells you to do. Oh, this is bad. So God, uh, he, he, uh, he says that God told him to throw the baby up against the wall. What? He took the baby, threw the baby up against the wall, and proceeded to kick the baby around like a soccer ball. That is and, disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and said that, you know, the baby fell into the congregation and wasn't even crying. And th- the said, baby's dead and said that that's the, baby why the baby was here yeah. the baby is dead no that's a completely insane story that you know it, it's these kind of things that are just believed like oh yeah that happened it's just like you know when your friend told you about the story that smith wigglesworth told about right. his wife he revived he revived revived his wife sorry i can't that speak so horrible yeah and uh yeah he but that that wasn't a very uh, uncommon thing for him he would go to people in the hospital and punch them in the stomach saying that they were healed in Jesus name and, and crazy things. And he has all these outrageous testimonies of people getting revived and everything. So this is a, yeah, it's a, it's, it's crazy, man. And
1: here's another squirrel moment that I'm yeah. thinking about <laughs> modern day. uh uh-huh. Who's been doing that? Mm. Todd Bentley. Yeah. The, the quote unquote faith healer, Mm-hmm. I remember hearing stories about how he would kick people in the stomach and punch them in the stomach and punch them in the head. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I don't understand. Like if you, even if you look at the scripture, if you look at the scripture and Jesus did things to heal, this is Jesus though. I mean, mm-hmm. he did things to heal, but I don't ever remember hearing him or seeing him in the scripture, punching anybody in the stomach, mm-hmm. punch him in the face. Yeah. He uh spit in a guy's eye. He he spit in um, uh uh he spit in some dirt and put some mud on someone's eye. Okay, mm-hmm. but that he's not assaulting them. He's not no. throwing them up against the wall. Hmm. You know he's not tossing them off of a cliff. Hmm. You know he, he's not doing anything crazy. But he's also the son of God, so he could do whatever he want, and it would still make the point. But to hear him do this to this baby, it's yeah. like, dude, you you are off your rocker. And yeah. then. Even worse, claiming that this is from God. Yeah. Come on, man. This yeah, this is this is that that cannot be of God, you know. That's that is ridiculous, man. Yeah. Oh and, my goodness. Uh, that's uh a,
0: a scary thing about um many within the charismatic movement. It's that um I, I've heard I've heard this said many times that you can't put God in a box. You can't put God in a box. And what they mean by that without saying it is that God is not contained in the Bible. God goes outside the Bible. So people's prophecies, it may not be consistent with Scripture, but they're prophecies from God, right? Yeah. yeah, You know? So so it's new things. So when God tells you to throw the baby up against the wall— it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy.
1: But the 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 funny thing about it is when you look at it, if you are really under the impression that you can't like you can't put God in a box, mm-hmm. right? If, if that's if that was really something that was real, you can't put God in a the box. Then that means that whatever and whomever you will claim God to be, that is who that person or that God can be. Mm-hmm. So instead of having a reference point of like, you know, like it was what the scripture is, like it's the foundational reference point. We look to scripture to see who God is, you know, what God has said. And, um, and, and, and it's all revealed in scripture. If you look outside of that saying, God is not, you know, he's not in the box. Then that means that whatever Mm -hmm. whatever you say can God is, then that's who he is. Yeah. Thus the world saying that God is a woman, Mm -hmm. thus the world saying that God can be found anywhere. Right. There are multiple paths to God. Uh, God has spoken to me and said this, this and that, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and the, the problem with that is not necessarily the fact that it's uncontainable, Mm -hmm. Like you can't say, well, this is what the scripture says. The problem with that is that people are sinful. Yeah. So what you're actually doing is making God imperfect. Mm -hmm. You're making God imperfect because of your unperfect or non-perfect, however you say that, (laughs) your unperfect thinking and your, 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 Uh, your filthy rag thinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd put it that way. Like how you're thinking and how you're viewing yourself. You're, you're trying to see God through yourself, Mm -hmm. which is, which is crazy, which is in, which is completely fallible. Yes. And Smith Wigglesworth Mm -hmm. and Charles Finney and all these guys, Parm, all these guys that we're talking about, they really brought in and allowed the church to do that. And Mm -hmm. instead of searching the scriptures they were actually making it so that the scriptures were secondary Mm -hmm. and what they were saying is primary. So yeah, this pulls us to kind of move now and progress uh, closer to, to like the now uh, of, of it. So I can go, we can go like to the 1960s Yeah, and we can look at a few people that were in the 1960s. So, Mm -hmm. um, Give me a second here. So (laughs) have you ever heard of uh, you've heard of Fred Price? No. Wait. No, no, not Fred Price. So Fred Price is actually in California. I think he might be still alive as well. I think he's still alive. So Fred Price, he was when I was a kid, that was the guy. This is like the 80s. I wouldn't say the 60s. I'm not that old. (laughs) But uh, in the 80s, Fred Price was kind of like the guy that was, you know, he would say we walk by faith and not by sight. He would quote that. That was his slogan for the church. But it soon began to be uncovered that he was actually following in uh, some people from earlier. So the one guy's name is Ken Hagan. Mm. So Kenneth, Kenneth Hagin was kind of like this, This he was kind of like just coming on the coattails of Charles Finney and Smith Wigglesworth right. and kind of yeah. just bringing all of those things in. I remember seeing a video of Ken Hagen, and I'm going to actually back up a little bit to something else that is extremely weird, mm. weird. I remember seeing a video of Ken Hagen just kind of walking around the, um, the the the, uh, the the sanctuary that he was preaching on might have been a coliseum or you know some type of convention center, and uh, he was just laughing, and he had somebody behind him, and you know they were holding him because he could fall over at any moment, and he would go and touch people, and they would just convulse, like literally convulse. And in that crowd, I saw uh, Or Roberts, um, he was there. Uh, I saw Kenneth Copeland, he was there. Um, and a lot of the other people that kind of didn't catch. But the, the biggest thing is that those are the type of environments that were breeding grounds, not just for like the healings to take place and the, the, oh, I think that this is like, you know, what it is. It really isn't about that. It was more or less for the purpose of the theology. Right. And uh, let me remind you what uh, the Apostle Paul said many many times um uh when it comes down to um uh false prophets and and uh people that were uh were basically not they would they would come in and they would say uh where is it at help me out if anyone comes and preaches a false oh, a gospel um, different than- yeah a gospel different than jesus i uh, i'm like i'm i'm like I have it on my, I'm like I have it in my brain, but I can't think of where exactly it is. Like I'm looking at it, but I can't think of yeah, exactly where it is. So I'm going to read this to you. First John chapter four, verse one, my dear friends, let me read it in the correct version. The, um, the extra special version, <laughs> uh, chapter First John Chapter 1 chapter 4 verse 1 beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from god for many false prophets have gone out into the world by this you know the spirit of god every spirit that confesses that jesus christ has come in the flesh is from god and every spirit that does not confess jesus is not from god this is the spirit of the antichrist which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already This for me um, was kind of like the definition of how I was able to, you know, uh, put the two apart because I was looking at what they were actually saying and what the scripture was saying. Right. So, yes, there were people that were, you know, bringing in this whole idea. And it was another guy that you had mentioned that was uh, coming up with the, the concept of. Uh, uh, well, not coming up, but like kind of revitalizing the concept of, of of the gifts and bringing mm. back, you know, who was that guy you were talking oh, about? Oh, uh, are you talking about Montanus? Montanus. Or, yeah. Can you tell me about yeah. him?
0: Yeah. So, um, is it Montanus or Montaneus? I forget how to, I want to say it's Montanus. Montaneus
1: sounds, uh, fancier. Yeah. yeah. It sounds
0: fancier, but I don't know if it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Montanus until, uh, there's a correction. Um, but he was a second century Mont- false prophet, Montanus. Montanus, yep. okay, awesome. Uh, so he was a second century false prophet. Um, he taught uh, basically like re- a redefining of the gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, talked about uh, like continued revelation. Another big thing that he promoted was the secondary baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I have some uh,
1: notes written down here. I want to share with you guys. Um, while, oh. you do, while you're do, while you looking for that, yes. I'm going to read a, uh, something from Eusebius. He was a church historian around 260 and 270, so closer to the 3rd century. He wrote the following about Montanus. In his lust for leadership, he became obsessed and would suddenly fall into frenzy and convulsions. He began to be ecstatic and speak and talk strangely and prophesy contrary to that which was the custom from the beginning of the church. Those who heard him were convinced that he was possessed. They rebuked him and forbade him to speak. Remember the warning of the Lord Jesus to be watchful because false prophets will come.
0: Yes. So one thing to note is that he was totally on the fringes back then. Mm -hmm. You know, he was not a very popular guy. He had some followers, but by the end of the second century, they're basically all wiped out. Mm -hmm. And he was rebuked by the church. Mm. Uh, that's another big thing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, th- today, we don't see that with the charismatic movement. Mm. So um, I, I have in my notes here, it is no longer fringe as it was in the early church with Montanus, who was a second century false prophet leader who offered new and strange teachings about the signed gifts. He offered new prophetic revelation, and eventually that he himself was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Which wow. sounds scary, but it sounds a lot like the reinterpretation of the sign gifts, the new revelation, and the little gods teaching that we hear in the charismatic movement today. Mm. Mm. You know, I've heard it by uh, Creflo Dollar that, you know, a, a dog gives birth to a dog, you know, uh, a cat gives birth to a cat, a plant makes another plant. When God created man in his own image, what did he create? But little gods. And that's. That's not an uncommon teaching in that the charismatic so church today. Yeah, it's and not. Maybe not all charismatics believe that, but that's a common teaching, um, and that is so similar to Montanus. The scary thing is we don't see the church openly rebuking that. Mm. We see the church saying, "Oh, come on, let let's all let's all be friendly." You know, we have uh, the softest pastors that we've ever had, and I praise God for our pastor, mm-hmm. who is a man who is you know like he will not. Um, uh just let that idly go by if somebody were to come into the church or tell somebody within the church anything to do with the little god's teaching he would openly rebuke it and mm-hmm. be very helpful yeah. in that but in the church today we we see many people who are just kind of catering to these theologies which in the early church we saw were rebuked right off the bat mm-hmm. you know it wasn't uh, it didn't take much time. It was evaluated by scripture. It was seen to be false, and then it was rebuked, and eventually they they went away. That's you know, crazy. it was out on the fringes, and now today it's the main. It's really the main mainline Christianity is what we see. Much of the charismatic movement, we see. Uh, uh, I don't even want to call him a pastor. I don't. I hardly even want to call him a preacher. But Joel Osteen. Mm-hmm. I it, whenever I talk to a coworker about Christianity they know who joel osteen is yeah he's a representation of the church Mm -hmm. that's terrifying yeah you know um and there are people who you know openly rebuke joel osteen but by and large he's openly accepted in the
1: church today Mm -hmm. but even uh a a guy like uh steve furtick who would be um and and we haven't even uh gone into the the modalism uh, Mm -hmm. of the charismatic uh faith um you know people know who TD Jakes are, yeah. uh, is, mm-hmm. um, and you know, they, they know who these people are, but the problem is that like, I remember the, <laughs> I remember the last teaching, uh, the, the men's Bible study, uh, how, uh, my, our pastor stood in the pulpit and literally said to us, uh, uh, you know, talking to us about godliness and what our sin does and how it affects us, affects our generations to come. He, he brought up the story of Achan and how uh, in that whole thing, it wasn't just Achan was the one that sinned. He was the one that hid the, the gold. He was the one that uh, grabbed the robe and then put it in the ground in, in, in mm-hmm. his tent. Um, but it wasn't just Aiken that died from that. It was his entire family. Yeah. They put rocks on them and they and they they stoned them, threw the rocks on top of them, and burned them, burned their bodies. Like it wasn't just him. It was his entire family, all his livestock, everything. So when you have a pastor that is willing and 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 you know outright doing that in a pulpit, you're not going to be that pastor. Unfortunately, you're not going to be that pastor. That is popular. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm and I, I would I would tell you, I can speak for Pastor Matt and say he doesn't want to be popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wants to be faithful. That right. is his, that is his whole, you know, mindset of being faithful. Um, I remember hearing a pastor tell me this one time, which which shook me a little bit um, and literally talking about like, uh, uh, you know, their belief about Black Lives Matter, about, you know, social justice and all these things. And when we were talking, you know, from what I could understand about what he was saying, uh, he had a pretty straightforward spiritual outlook on it, which I think is cool. Um, and it wasn't anything that was bad. And we were agreeing on a lot of things because on even on this podcast, I'm not you know afraid at all to tell you uh, that the whole movement and even the phrase Black Lives Matter is unbiblical, mm-hmm. and the social justice movement is just a joke. Yeah. Um, but when he was talking, I'm like, "Well, yeah, th- you know that that's something that you could just say and it's something that you can preach." And his response was, "Like, shake shook me to the core. I would lose people. Like, people would stop coming to the church. I, I mean, I would scare people away." Mm-hmm. And my thinking is, "Hmm, why is it that what you know you're not literally not paying attention to the scripture? You know, when uh, when Paul was talking to Timothy, he didn't say." preach the word, but make sure you don't lose members. Mm -hmm. He said, preach the word in season, out of season, not in a thing of like, well, you know, just be careful. No, people are not going to like what you say. People, some people are not going to like what you say. Mm -hmm. I don't like when, (laughs) I don't like it when, uh, when, when Matt convicts me of my sin, but you know what? Mm -hmm. I embrace it. Because I know that that's what I need, and I I, I lean into that, yep. you know, and I listen to it, and I keep coming back every single Sunday mm-hmm. when He convicts me of my sin. I keep coming back, and I keep studying the Scripture and and training myself, mm-hmm. not doing myself oh, yeah. to godliness. You, go. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's and, and it's important. But what we've seen, uh, literally in the the charismatic movement from a lot of these preachers, Kenneth Hagin. Uh, I think that he was the one. No, this was after Kenneth Hagen. So the Toronto Blessing, Yeah, you, you heard about the yep. Toronto uh, Blessing. Yep. The, the Toronto Blessing was one of those things that it, there was no scripture. There was no scriptural basis for them. And if they, as pastors, are supposed to be preaching the scripture, preach the scripture. Yeah.
0: You know, the, the charismatic family that I was influenced by, the father came out of the Toronto Blessing. Really? He went to one of their services up at their big airport uh, hangar church thing. Um, And he said that he had gone to seminary and and everything before and came with his notes and came to critique it. Um, And he was sitting down, you know, trying to take notes of everything. And then he said that his body completely locked up, that he dropped everything that he had, and he started, like, Insanely laughing and falling on the floor. Now I had a I had a sit down with him one time. Um, so I I was a new I'm still a new Christian. I'm, I've only been a believer for like four years now, mm-hmm. um, but I was a new Christian at the time, and uh, he had uh, taught us about uh, what it means to be drunk in the spirit. Which we're gonna talk all about that. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to talk about that. Um, but he was talking about drunkenness in the spirit. And as a new believer diving into the word doesn't take you very long to see that drunkenness is a sin. (laughs) And in my sinfulness before I was a believer, I would get drunk. And that, that was something that I laid aside because I'm now going to follow Christ. And he taught that, um, you know, the Holy spirit can make you drunk essentially. And I sat down with him and I talked with him about this. And, uh, Uh, just as a as a precursor to this notice how much scripture is applied in here so i sat down with him we went to leto's and uh i just wanted to you know kindly ask him um you know what what did you mean about uh drunkenness in the holy spirit i like are, are you saying that god is making you sin by making you drunk um and and what's like why is it a euphoric intoxicating experience and where is that in scripture and uh, so, he at first started with the uh, um, you know be not filled with wine but be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know which which what totally totally does not mean that <laughs> not okay at all. not at all um and then he proceeded to tell me about his experience as a father and how he sometimes to play with his kids will tickle them. And this was his reasoning behind saying, "Well, if I as a father." enjoy playing with my kids, and do a little tickle monster with them, God does the same with us. Oh, and that goodness. if he wants to tickle us and to play with us, make us drunk in the spirit, he can and he will. Oh, my goodness. Now, that that was one of the first things, you know, well, not the only first thing, but one of the first things that I had heard from him that I was like, okay, this is not, this is not all right. That is, yeah. But if you talk to anybody about drunkenness in the spirit, I, I had even heard people saying getting goofy with the Lord. That's that's <laughs> weird, man. That's that's really weird. But they'll use the same kind of oh my uh, goodness. justifications for it. And it's not scripture. They'll say, be not filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they'll just go off on a tangent on, you know, how it's fun to be drunk or tickling your kids or, you know, whatever it is. It's all human reasoning. Which, going back to our filthy rags, mm-hmm. our, our best efforts to make God sound good in our, in our human human ways are an abomination to the Lord.
1: Well, I want to read you something. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Isaiah 29 uh, is another place that people will use mm. uh, to justify this. So Isaiah 29, verse 9, I'm going to start off. Astonish yourselves and be astonished. Blind yourselves and be blind. Be drunk, but not with wine. Stagger, but do not, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, the prophets, and covered your heads, the seers. And the vision of all of this has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. When men give it to one who can read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. And when they give the book to the one who cannot read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot read. It, it, it gets better. Verse 13. And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people with wonder upon wonder and the wisdom of their Wise men shall perish and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. So they try to use verse 10, 9 wow. and 10, be drunk, but not with wine, stagger, but not with strong drink as a, I would say a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for like as a, a command as a command or, uh, just trying to justify justification mm-hmm. of them being drunk in the spirit. But if you read it, this is this is the worst part about what they do is, is, is and this is something that I would caution everybody that's listening. If you are looking at a specific scripture and then you're taking that scripture and making it a law, then you have completely lost what's, what word study and scripture study is all about. Mm-hmm. When you study the word of God, you cannot just look at it in uh, this this like silo of of a, of a scripture. I'll give you an example. I'm going to let everybody know that Kelly peed in the bed last night. Like not everybody knows that. Did you know that? I I didn't even know that. You sure? I had no idea that I peed the bed last night. Right, but <laughs> if we put it in the right context, you were 1 years old and you did it. Sure. That that's very valuable. That's very viable, I'll say. Yeah, at 1 years old when you are not to the point where you can control yourself, you would do something like that. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is people read stuff and they don't put it in the proper context. And then it's like, oh, well, that happened. No, put it in the proper context. Kelly was one years old and he peed in the bed last night. It, that is completely, yeah, we could, we could all say because at that yeah. point of our lives, we were <laughs> nine months old, six months old, yeah. one month old. You know, yeah, that happens. Yeah. But the problem is you take new scripture and you do the same thing. You read be drunk in the be drunk, but not in, and with wine. You think, oh, well, that means be drunk in the spirit. If you read the whole chapter of Isaiah 29, it talks about how Jerusalem was taken over and it was a punishment. When you read verses 13 and 14, um when it says that they honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me, Mm -hmm. you understand that that is not a good thing when they are drunk, but not with wine. Not at all. They are literally drunk with their sin. That's what they're drunk with. Mm -hmm. And I... So... Looking at the notes that uh, that John MacArthur put in here, the blindness and the drunkenness came from the people's inability to comprehend Isaiah's message about trusting God instead of Egypt. Uh, verse ten, uh, that the notes say, because Israel refused to hear her true prophets, in and in initially their ability to hear has been impaired, so they're literally not being able to see and hear God's word, which is literally what a lot of these charismatic preachers and pastors in air quotes are doing. They're not able to hear and see they're blinded. They're deceived. So you're telling me that I can't
0: use that to say that I'm drunk by the Holy
1: spirit. Where is that? Ask where is that? First of all, (laughs) if you look at (laughs) how this is, you know, uh, if you look at Isaiah, you know, this, tw- this chapter 29, it has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit being, draw- you know, poured out on people. Mm-hmm. This is literally God blinding them, just like he did in, in Romans uh, chapter one. Excuse me. Um, and uh, another part, another gospel that I was literally reading, I think I want to say is a uh, first uh, Thessalonians where they were being um, they were being blinded. They were being mm-hmm. deceived and they could not hear. Because you know God sent a deception towards them, and I'm probably wrong when I say first that slows. See, that's why I, I, I like to have Matt here because he's <laughs> like my concordance. He yeah. he'll, he's like, oh yep, I know where that is. So you know, yeah. please forgive me, y'all. But but that's the thing. I'm still growing. Um, mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's like they are literally they have this deception that is being drawn upon them because of the fact that they are rejecting the truth. Yeah, these pastors are rejecting the truth and then and then spreading it. So um getting back to what we were saying about right, the, right. T- the Toronto blessing, um, not just drunk in the spirit, but also, uh, it was, um, um, what was it, it was being slain in the spirit. you yes, were talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So, um, they, I, I don't even know, uh, where they pull a justification out of scripture from for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I was, you know, it was, it was often taught that, You know, uh, you needed to be slain in the spirit, which pretty much meant some guy would yell at you or um, you would be worshiping and then you'd fall down or somebody would, you know, push you and you'd fall down. Um, And that like that that needed to be like a consistent practice for you to be slain in the spirit, Um, which is a very strange teaching, Um, has no scriptural basis at all. I don't even know where they begin to pull that from if they pull that from anywhere.
1: Well, uh, they would pull it from places where people, like um, when John in Revelation uh, 1, oh, 17 when I face. saw him and I fell at his feet, um, also Ezekiel uh, chapter one, um, uh, when I fell on my face mm-hmm. and uh, Daniel, Isaiah when he fell 6. on his face. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So it's kind of like that whole like idea of being slain in the spirit, but uh, it does doesn't necessarily say that they were being slain in the spirit by mm-hmm. some guy that was laying hands on them or swinging his uh suit jacket at them yeah uh, to slay them in the spirit so the toronto blessing was one of those things where it was uh this big huge thing that a lot of actual movements came from mm-hmm. um and with it being the the movements this is actually 1994 did you know that yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very long ago. It wasn't very long ago, um, but uh, the vineyard movement was what actually what uh, um, this is the vineyard, the Toronto Vineyard Airport mm-hmm. Church or whatever yeah. it was called. Yeah. That's what it was called. Toronto Airport Vineyard Church uh, It used to be called Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship Church. Um, but a lot of people actually came out of that and kind of uh, were exalted, I would say. And I use that term loosely, uh, not in a way that God should be exalted, but uh, more pushed to the forefront, I would right. say. Uh, so Todd Bentley was part of that whole uh, debacle. Um, uh, I think that, uh, what's his name, was a part of it as well. Um, uh, Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson. Uh, from, from Bethel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, he's over Morning star. Uh, but a lot of those people mm-hmm. actually came out of that, the issue really comes down to uh, this. The issue comes down to not just the uh, the whole movement as as it is. It really comes down to their interpretation of scripture. Right. That's that's the scary part of it. Yeah. They look at charismania and they interpret scripture. Uh, they interpret scripture a different way. So. <laughs> So there is this thing, um, this concept called dominionism. Have you heard of dominionism?
0: I don't think I have, no.
1: All right. So this is what dominionism is. Dominionism is their idea, and this is how they interpret scripture, that before Christ is to return, they are supposed to take dominion over seven mountains. I know exactly where you're going. Yeah, and the seven mountains are business, government, media, arts and entertainment, education, family, and religion. So they are supposed to take over these seven mountains and then that is supposed to usher Christ coming back. Once again, we're pointing to the fact that it's not about what Christ has done, who God is and what God has said. Mm -hmm. It's all about what I am to do, what I am saying and what I have uh, said and my character. It's about that. Yeah.
0: Real quick. That actually goes back to a teaching that Charles Finney brought about Mm -hmm. that revivals. Um, and great works of god mm-hmm. um are a cooperative effort between man and god wow,
1: that's crazy, yeah, that is so yeah. horrible, yeah, so mm-hmm. dominionism it really um and i'm I'm reading this from uh got dot org once again. Dominionism or Christian Dominionism is a term coined by social scientists and popularized by journalists to refer to a subset of American Christianity that is conservative, politically active, and believes that Christians should and eventually will take control of the government. The term is sometimes used as a catch-all by bloggers to describe any political active Christian, but not every conservative, politically-minded Christian is a Dominionist. So a lot of people don't know that, so... (laughs) <laughs> the uh determined the, the belief that america is a christian nation that's kind of soft dominionism mm-hmm. you know people's like yeah america is a christian nation um they come up with that but um their beliefs come from genesis 128 uh be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over right. the fish of the sea that uh, of the air and over every living thing that moved upon the earth now who was he talking to who was God talking to when he said that? He Hollywood, <laughs> he was talking to Adam, right? In, right in, in Genesis chapter yeah. 1, verse 28. Mm-hmm. But they're uh, the kingdom, they, they talk about kingdoms, they talk about mm-hmm. the kingdom, like I want to, we're we, Lord, establish your kingdom here, and mm-hmm. you know, this is all this is all about the kingdom, that's what they're talking about. So, uh, Bethel kind of like came to the forefront uh, a couple years ago, um, close to the beginning of president. Uh, Trump's uh, 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 um, you know term and uh, they were heavily involved with Fox News mm-hmm. heavily involved all of a sudden you started seeing this article this thing by somebody that's that said so that is them trying to take dominion over the media. That's like their kind of first thing. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it, they're already over, they already have their whole sect of arts and entertainment. So uh, not just Bill Johnson, not just Steve Furtick. Uh, Steve Furtick, whenever you hear like Elevation Music, that's all Steve Furtick. His his name is Church, Elevation Church. Um, Then you have uh, Bill Johnson, and Bill Johnson is over Bethel Music, um, but also uh, Jesus Culture as well. They're underneath of them as well. So arts and entertainment, um, that's a, that's a part of it um business you know getting into the the seven mountains they're they're all about that, but what's ironic is that one of the seven mountains is religion hmm. why is one of the seven mountains religion i I don't even know where they get this stuff from like it's just like this we need to establish and and we need to take this over you know because this is how we're ushering it where are you getting this concept from hmm. like God needs you. To, to, right. to take over seven mountains before he comes back? Who's, whose idea was it that you have so much power? I need to talk to that person.
0: Yeah, I guarantee you it's it's from adding to Revelation. I'm sure they, they've they looked at uh, the book of Revelation and they completely disregarded the last warning of not adding or taking away from mm-hmm. any of the prophecies of this book. Mm-hmm. And what what did they do right there? They went ahead and they go ahead and they take away Uh, from and they add to the prophecies of this book to say that the second coming will be brought about through them, Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. doing these seven mountains of nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's,
1: it's, it's, uh, it's scary. And you know, what's funny is that the, the, the disciples, as we were learning in Mark, uh, the disciples were about that kingdom now mentality as well. Mm -hmm. Um, the sons of Zebedee, um, I remember, uh, uh, in Mark, we, we were talking about, uh, the, the the sons of Zebedee the the, the thunder sons right they, they were yeah. uh, they they their mom actually had brought up to Jesus like hey you know can they have a seat in your kingdom you know because they were all like yeah Jesus is here he's gonna establish his kingdom he's gonna rule and he's gonna reign and Jesus is like that's that's not why I'm why I'm here you know why I'm here he he hit him with the uh, you know why I'm here uh, yeah. line it's like that's not why I'm here but the problem is that that is literally what we're seeing in the charismatic movement right now and today um another thing that uh, i'm I'm having all these squirrel moments sorry (laughs) (laughs) you're good uh another thing that uh speaking of bill johnson and and uh and bethel uh church have you ever heard of grave soaking i have yeah Yeah. what's what's grave soaking so it's when
0: um it's uh like there there's an anointed uh believer in the charismatic movement who Mm -hmm. goes on to um, hopefully, hopefully, be with the Lord, um, but but likely not. In, mm-hmm. You know, in, in many cases, yeah, yeah. very sadly. Um, but many people will visit their grave sites and lay on the ground or dig up some of the dirt or um, chant and do all these ritualistic things to absorb the anointing of that person. Mm. Now that is so scary. That is. Um,
1: Paganism to the nth degree, necrophilic in yeah, a way. it definitely like, is. You're, you're kind of like just with the, and I think uh, was it is it um, Elijah, um, Elisha had was was dealing with his bones mm. with Elisha's bones and. Uh, from his bones, he got an anointing. And I think that's mm-hmm. where that, they would get that whole idea from, if I'm not mistaken. If I am mistaken, please forgive me. <laughs> but <laughs> from what I understand, like, that's where they got mm-hmm. that whole idea from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the whole grave soaking came in. So they would hang out in graveyards. Mm-hmm. You know, They'd still do it today. You know? yeah. now, I don't know what's happening with them because I know that they have been coming under a lot of uh, scrutiny because, one, they closed down their uh, school of uh, Supernatural Healing because yeah. of COVID, which mm-hmm. I find completely ironic. It's so funny. <laughs> it's, That's... it's completely ironic <laughs> yeah. that in the time that they need it the most, you would do that, but also... Um, they were getting un- under a lot of scrutiny as well because of the uh, outbreaks that they were having. It's like a hundred mm-hmm. and something people uh, yeah. coming down with either is a case of COVID or not. I don't think they died of it because that would have been a bigger news story. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of people that were coming down with COVID. Uh, the healing place. And mm-hmm. and here's the thing, you know, I don't wish that they have COVID. I don't wish yeah. that people come down with COVID. That's not my. That's not the reason why I would even mention that. What I would mention is that I really wish that they will understand God's sovereignty. Yes. I really wish that they will understand the false theology that they're being taught. You know, Mm -hmm. I would hope that nobody gets COVID. I would hope that they did not, you know, have to deal with that because, you know, people have died of COVID. It's pretty serious. Uh, But at the same time, Don't think that you are so holy and righteous and that you are some some gift from God to the earth that it doesn't matter if you get COVID or not. You're going to lay hands on yourself or someone's going to lay hands on you and it must and it has to leave. Like, don't look at that. If God decides to take us away from, you know, with COVID, then that is God's plan. That's God's desire. That's what he wrote out from the beginning. It's his plan. But don't make it so that you are not able to or you will never do it. Or, you know, like in their case, it's like, you know, and, and I hear Bill Johnson say this all the time, that it is always God's, uh, it's God's will to heal. Like always, he, he yeah. Always mm-hmm. his will to heal. And sadly, with uh, a little, what was her name? Baby Olive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Olive or Olivia, whatever her yeah. name was, it was like, it was just like, That was just a horrible situation where you saw how bad their theology is because their mindset was this is a a baby that has died, but it is not God's will for her to die yet. I am superseding God's will and God's plan for uh, her life. And I'm telling you what she should be doing. She Mm -hmm. should be living. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, like, what are you doing? Who are you? Mm-hmm. You know, who, how is it that the potter is able to the, the, the clay is able to tell the potter how it's supposed to be formed? Like, yeah. come on, get out of here with that. Yeah. You know, it's sad.
0: And you would hope from such a tragic experience that there would be some form of repentance, some form of learning. Um, but rather it was justified with human wisdom from Bill Johnson that, well, sometimes uh, death goes outside God's will. You know, like sometimes Is that what he, he said? He along those lines I'm paraphrasing, but yes, essentially, um, that this was not God's will that happened. Some some pass before it's their time. Which is totally false. Totally false. That's a that's a view that is like totally diminishing of God. Yeah. Um, and it's it's scary, man. And
1: it's almost as if you're saying that God does not have control yeah over death yeah like god does not have control over death that you know there are uh situations outside of <laughs> our control that gives you know that that death just happens mm-hmm. outside of god's control yeah come on man yeah oh that is sad that is sad all oh, right that's really so let's let's we have a few, you, you have a few things more that you want to talk about too. Yes. Okay. Yeah,
0: so I just kind of wanted to go over, um, some of like the, uh, the core theologies. We can just kind of list them out. We can talk about some others. If there are some others, we've already talked about some with like dominionism. Mm-hmm. We've talked about being slain in the spirit, mm-hmm. all these things. But I just wanted to cover a couple that we will dive into, uh, a lot deeper later on in this podcast series. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a, a couple things that characterize the char- the charismatic movement would be the active gifts of tongues um, or a prayer language mm-hmm. um, or a static worship. I've seen people singing in tongues. Um, I've yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've I've, I've, I've heard, heard people, uh, you know, babbling off as they're saying words here and there. But then they're babbling off in you know, unintelligible, un- undistinguishable, non Linguistic tongues, mm-hmm. um, so that's a, a huge char- characteristic of the charismatic movement, along with prophecy. Um, so people saying, "I feel like the Lord is telling me," you know, they're pretty mm-hmm. much acting as a medium, yeah, as a in- wow. intercessory that word of the revelation of God. Yeah, it's really scary. I'm excited to, to dive into that because that's a very pervasive issue mm-hmm. um, that I've had many friends involved with and mm-hmm. i was involved with um a, a huge huge characterization of the charismatic church would be in disorder mm. um so in uh first corinthians chapter uh, 14 at the very end there um verse 39 it says therefore my brethren and this is the passage that's after discussing uh all of these spiritual gifts back when they were active in the church um in chapters 12 13 14 discussing these in verse uh, 39 and 40 it says therefore my brethren desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues but in all things or but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner so not only like gifts have ceased you know we we'll we'll talk about that as well um, but even back then it was told that all of these things need to be done in order in the charismatic church, we, you know, I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen it many times where people are falling over, knocking over chairs, running up and down the aisles, screaming, mm. you know, like all of these things that are that are not uh, characteristics of an orderly gathering. Um, it's yeah. just clear and simple. Um, so going into prophecy, it's a foretelling. It's like a future telling of fallible prophecy. Sometimes it can be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they they leave room
1: for it to be wrong.
0: Too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's in the whole medium thing. They practice being a medium with saying, I feel like they they avoid Mm -hmm. words like thus says the Lord. Mm -hmm. If anybody ever comes up to me with a prophecy, I'm like, Hold up, hold up, wait. (laughs) First of all, we're gonna talk about some stuff in Deuteronomy. We're Mm -hmm. gonna talk about what it is to be a false prophet in the first place and the condemnation that waits for them. Yeah. But before you you say that, you gotta you (laughs) gotta say thus says the Lord when you when you do that. Yeah. Like if you're really gonna say something, Mm -hmm. be sure of it. Um no prophet ever guessed. No, and if there was a quote unquote prophet who guessed, especially in the Old Testament, like there was a harsh condemnation that that yeah. fell to that person. Yep. Um, and another thing is uh, prophets and apostles in the church today, as an active office within the church today. Um, in uh, the book of Galatians, it talks about how, um, like they were there for the foundation of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have moved past the foundation of the church. We're building onward. Mm-hmm. We're not laying another foundation. That's mm-hmm. how buildings fall down. Yeah, you know that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so prophets and apostles in the church today, and then a huge one which categorizes a lot of uh, issues within charismatic theology is a very blasphemous view of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the whole genie in a bottle mentality of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is there to give you whatever you want, Mm -hmm. Um, that there is a drunkenness of the Holy Spirit, which we talked about earlier, that the Holy Spirit is a mystical presence rather than a person. He's blue, according
1: to a few people.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. I've heard that. Um, There's the falling and barking, the the slaying in the Spirit. There's all these false anointings and and all these things which we were talking about with the grave soaking, which is, is out there. Uh, another thing is uh, modalism with oneness theology. Mm-hmm. Um, so the belief that uh, there aren't three distinct persons of the Trinity, but there is just one. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, that, that is a very uh, early heresy and mm-hmm. is very common in the charismatic movement. Um, and then there's all these fickle new theologies. You can listen to one of these charismatic preachers and they will present a completely new theology. And they'll say sometimes, the Lord told me... That this actually means or I have a new interpretation from God. Mm-hmm. I was speaking with Jesus this morning and he told me this. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> Oh you, boy. It, and that's one one thing that's gonna make it really hard to try to, you know, give an exhaustive list, so we're not even gonna attempt it. It's because there's an infinite amount of new theologies that the charismatic movement holds to. Yeah. yeah. And it's not everybody within the charismatic movement, but they're like if we were to uh like uh, catalog all these different theologies, we would have uh, we would run out of trees to make paper with. Yeah. Them. Um. So there's all like the little gods teaching. There's the speaking into existence, which is a big one. Joel mm-hmm. Osteen is big on that. There's uh random profound sounding teachings. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, name people, it, and claim it. Name it, claim it. People get up on stage and be like, Jesus was the only person who went to hell. You know who said that? Uh, who said that? Kenneth Copeland. Oh. He said that he's the only person that God sent to hell. Yeah. And like that is crazy. Crazy. And then there's the ethereal worship, you know, very spacey and out there, um, not in spirit and truth, but just in just in vagueness, um and, and many more things.
1: Uh, was there any other kind of distinguishing theologies that, that come up to you? Oh, there's there's a lot uh, that that I had come up with. But this is actually a very good kind of uh, preview of what will be coming up with us later. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to talk in depth about the word of faith. Uh, yes. uh, like, you know, uh, I, I, I'm just, I don't want to call it a theology, but uh, you know, but also like the seed offering. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the seed offering is, has, has led a lot of people astray. And, uh, uh, speaking, speaking of the other Kelly, she told me a story one time, uh, she, you know, came from the charismatic movement as mm-hmm. well. And what happened was, <laughs> Mike, Mike was sitting there when she was telling this story and he just shaking his head, just shaking his head. <laughs> it was so funny. So we're hanging out with them and she says, uh, He said, man, she came home so fast. It's like, what happened? She's like, well, the pastor said, you need to, you know, you're going to get a financial blessing, so you need to give me $500. And she didn't have it in her pocket, so she ran all the way home, got the $500, and ran back to the church. And she said, the pastor said, go get the money. Don't say anything to anybody. Just go do it. If you say something to anybody, you're going to miss this blessing. So you need to go get the money and come right back. She said she sped home, didn't say anything to Mike when she came in, went upstairs, grabbed the money, ran right past him and went right back to the church. She said at that point in their life, they were so broke. That five hundred dollars was a huge like miss. Like it was she missed that a lot. And Mike just said, what are you doing with our money? (laughs) He was he was he was just like, I can't believe you just did that. But that is just like one of those examples of like when they ask, especially for like a specific thing, Mm -hmm. like a specific like, you know, uh, amount of money, you know, she they didn't they could not afford that. They could not afford to just Mm -hmm. do 500 bucks. But plus it was also from uh, that particular guy, whoever it was, just saying, you know, here's what it is and this is what we got. And it's just bad. Bad theology hurts, man. Oh, yeah. I remember as a kid, and we're about to end here in a second because we've we've, we've <laughs> talked a little longer because we have more. We'll come back later. Yeah. But, but I remember as a kid, um, I would go to, you know, I, I, I was a musician, so I would play at a lot of different churches and see a lot of different uh, ways that people would take offering. And so, you know, there was these smaller, like, little churches, and what would happen is they would take the offering. You know, maybe it's the second or third offering, depending on, you know, what it was. So they would have an offering for, you know, the regular offering. And then they would have another offering for the pastor or the speaker that came. So if I was with a particular church, that preacher would come and they would give him like a, you know, an offering or something like that. They would pay him and they would go. The deacons would take the money or the trustees, depending on uh, what church it was. They would take the money to the back and they would count it. I remember so many times, that many, many times, they would come back out and they would whisper in the pastor's ear. You see one of them whispering in the pastor's ear. And they would say, and um, the pastor would say, all right. So uh, we are at five hundred dollars. We need to get to a thousand. So I need everybody to come up, you know, you know, give another offering so we can get to a thousand. I want to at least give the demand the of God a thousand dollars before he leaves. So they would know. OK, oh. so people go back in their purse and go back in their pocket and then do that. So I don't know how many times I've seen that. Like we're almost there. We're almost there. We got to get to this. Come, come on now. Y'all got to dig a little deeper. I mean, so many times. And these are like small, small churches. I mean, the, mm. the, uh, the 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 sanctuary is probably our main sanctuary, probably about a third or even a fourth of the size of our sanctuary. It's like you walk in the front door and you're walking out the back door. That's how small the church is. You know, maybe 20 people there. And they got to come up with $500, not because there's a need, not because like, hey, look, you know, the church is really we're really struggling right now. Or we want to give this money to this person, you know. That this person's about to get their light, you know, cut off. You know, the like lights cut off. You know, we we want to help this person. No, it's just we want to give the man of God some money. Yeah, like that's that's mm. that's if if anything, if that's not the wrong mindset, then I don't know what is. Yeah, which is totally into the prosperity. Yeah, um, like word of faith. Yeah, if you sow a seed, living, yeah. you sow a seed, it'll mm. grow. And you, yeah. if you have faith, the size of the mustard seed, and you know they want to do it's the it's the seed offering. It's mm-hmm. all this stuff and. You know, I think that was Kenneth. No, those oral Roberts that came up with that concept of yeah. the seed offering. So we're going to get in more into that. Uh, I don't want to keep this. Uh, I don't want to make this uh, <laughs> podcast too long, because I want you all to yeah. come back. But the list that uh, that uh, Kelly just went over, you can see why it, it would you know be in your best interest to come back and listen uh, more to the to the rest of the uh, podcast. Thank you all for tuning in today. If you have a question, or comment you want to give to us, please do uh, an email at the podcast at gmail.com let me say that again <laughs> <laughs> if you have a, a question or comment that you want to leave please leave us a message or give us send us an email at the truth talks podcast at gmail.com you can also give us a voicemail at 612 truth and we appreciate you all please leave us a five star review as well on the podcast uh, platform uh, of your choosing and now here is the gospel of Jesus Christ this is the gospel of Jesus Christ The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal, conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy, by sending his own Son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal Son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone, everywhere, to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and this day be reconciled to God. Thanks for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast, and visit our website at BelcroftBibleChurch.org. Delighting in the Word, that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Belcroft Bible Church.